This episode of the Cinema Vention Podcast is brought to you by Rotting Wonk, RozJ001, Jack Wolf, and Wearmall 3. If you want to become one of the names listed, go support the show today at patreon.com slash wscottis1. Hi, I'm W. Scott is one, and I have not seen the movie The Hunt for Red October. <gasps> Increasing his cultural IQ, one movie at a time. This is Cinemavention. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Cinemavention podcast, where we review and discuss classic movies that I should have seen long ago. Today, we'll be discussing the movie The Hunt for Red October, which my guest has seen before. He is a regular Diamond Club Game Night contributor. It's amazing to welcome back Jeffrey Sachs, a.k.a. Routing Wong, back to the show. Jeff, how you doing, man? Hello. Uh, well, I mean, I'm fighting something off, but, you know, I'm good. It's all good. Yeah, good. Let's well, talk about this movie. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I noticed in the uh, episode number, and I don't know uh, how I feel about this. You're on episode 6-6. Six, six. Yeah, well, <laughs> you know. Let's do six hundred more, and then we'll and then we'll talk about something. I yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, I guess I guess that's the yeah. It's it's triple six, isn't it? That's always gets uh, triple six needs to be like Rosemary's Baby or uh, <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, Devil's Advocate, you know. Yeah, something. right. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, we're, we're fine. Yeah, I mean, we are talking about Cold War. Uh, um, stuff that happened between the u.s and the soviet union so i mean hey it, it tracks right it tracks right mm-hmm. <laughs> but uh we're gonna be uh, talking about the hunt for red october here and as i always like to do um i like to go over the stats of the movie real quick before we get started so the hunt for red october is available for rent or purchase on dvd and blu-ray and physical stores and on all major internet distributors as well and it is available to stream on Showtime. If you have Showtime, uh, you can uh, you can watch it. Um, Showtime is also available on a a bunch of other um, services as well. So, Hunt for Red October was released by Paramount Pictures on March second, nineteen ninety. The movie was directed by John McTiernan and stars Sean Connery, a very young Alec Baldwin, Scott Glenn, James Earl Jones, aka Darth Vader, and Sam Neill. Uh, the movie had a budget of $30 million and made $200.5 million in the theaters. Uh, Jeff, do you recall when you first saw this movie? Well, it has been many, many times that I have seen, uh, uh, seen this movie. It was a regular in, uh, uh, in my parents' house. Um, and... The uh, I think it was the second DVD that uh, that we ever got. So mm. I was I mean, I was five when it came out in 1990. So there was no way in heck I saw this in theaters. Um, and definitely, you know, DVD number two was still of the let's go to Blockbuster and rent a VHS tape mm. uh, mm-hmm. period. So. Uh, I'm going to say uh, it was probably DVD in uh, uh, in my parents' house. Probably, you know, I think that was '98, yeah, uh, was end of was... 1998, yeah, uh, which would have made me um, 13, mm. and uh, uh, and that was a good age for a spy thriller. Uh, 
uh, yeah. an action spy thriller like this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and you were saying that like it was kind of on in the house um, a lot, just in general too. Yeah, well, I'm saying in uh, I, it was one of those TBS TNT you know Saturday afternoon rotation mm-hmm. uh, movies, but um, you know you before streaming and before even DVD by mail, you had you know your family's VHS and then starting DVD collection, and that's what you watched. It was yeah. either there was something mm-hmm. on TV or you had like a dozen, two dozen uh, movies and you picked something. Yeah, right. Or it's uh, or it was on HBO or whatever it was. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah. And we and, didn't get into uh, we didn't get HBO or the movie channels in. Uh, uh, we were an extended oh, yeah. cable mm-hmm. uh, family. True. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's true. Yeah. I always have to account for that because, yeah, not everyone gets it at the at the same time. But, I rem- uh, well, I, yeah. I remember when we moved to digital cable and we went from, you know, 30 channels to 50 channels. Oh, hey, I mean, revolutionary at the time. I'm I know. Sure, right. This, <laughs> this was steps up. Yeah. Um, yeah, man. And it well, and it's interesting that you were talking about, you know, like, oh, I got the DVD of it in like the late 90s, whereas mm-hmm. my family, um, we didn't transition to DVD until like the mid to late 2000s. So we were we were a little <laughs> slow. But, uh, but Hey, you know, we, uh, we eventually got there. So, um, I don't but, think we were necessarily early adopters. Um, yeah, well, yeah, no, I, 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 it was, yeah, I'm not even trying to say you were, I'm just saying no, I'm I a know. late adopter, but yeah, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I've, I've talked about it in, um, in a previous episode about that and, uh, yeah, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, um, I, I've I've basically gotten rid of all of my DVDs. I do everything digital these days. So oh, well, yeah, we watch everything digitally, but yeah, mm-hmm. we still have like two wall-mounted storage units. With, sure, uh, yeah, with DVDs and jewel cases. Yeah, uh, I guess that's true. Them. Yeah, we I yeah we still have the VHSs and DVDs, but yeah, mm-hmm. but but I I haven't bought any new VHS or I mean certainly no VHS tapes, oh, but no, but oh, but I haven't bought a new DVD in ages. And um, why, why would you? Yeah, <laughs> you have to really want to own it. It's like people that buy uh, right. um, vinyl. You have to want the artifact rather than I just really want to watch the mo- be able to watch the movie whenever, uh, whenever. Right. I yeah, it's more just like yeah, because some because sometimes you know people will get it because you know it, it comes it comes off of streaming. I mean, we we deal with that all the time on this show where mm-hmm. I mentioned that it's, that it's not available to stream anywhere. I'm sure that's more so the case up in um, up there in Canada, right? Well, it's interesting that we have fewer media companies, which actually makes it easier uh, to get things because, oh, hmm. well, because you have, um, you know, two cable companies, right? And so their streaming services, and one of them um, fol- uh, folded, so it's like we have Netflix and Disney Plus and Crave. And you have Netflix and Disney Plus and uh, Paramount, uh, Paramount Plus and HBO um, Max and, and HBO uh, Max. And, you know, yeah, um, that's pretty much all of them. I mean, if, unless I mean, Hulu and Prime and there's other ones. Yeah. But yeah, those are the main ones for sure. Um, but yeah, no, absolutely, man. But uh, but yeah, anyway, we're getting sidetracked here. Let's uh, let's yes. get back to uh, let's get back to the movie here. So. 
Jeff, I got to tell you, man, uh, when we first when I first set out to cover this movie, you and I were talking about, you know, like, okay, what movie are we do we want to talk about? Right. And you brought this movie up to me, The Hunt for Red October. You brought brought this movie up to me and you had mentioned that it was kind of like a spy movie. Right. Yeah. And and I wanted to cover it because um I, you know because I thought with the news of the you know Chinese spy balloon that had been um you know it's very much in the news cycle as of right now while we're recording this mm-hmm. and you know that's sort of like a Chinese U.S. spy story granted but still it's like the idea of spying and espionage and all that other stuff like you had mentioned that this movie is kind of like a spy movie between the United States and the Soviet Union. Right. Mm-hmm. And I, and I thought, okay, well, this is, this will be perfect synergy, right? Like, you know, it, it's, it's relevant to our current time period. Right. Mm-hmm. However, well, that, Oh yeah, go ahead. Sorry. Well, first, I mean, it's the nineties. So the Russians are the big bad and sure. Mm-hmm. China was, you know, still trying to figure out how to feed itself at that point. True, true. Yeah, no, and that's fair, right? But however, here, here's the bit of, but here's the problem that I ran into while doing this movie is I didn't realize what I was signing up for when I was uh, signing A up Tom to do Clancy this book. movie. Yeah, right. Because I think this movie tops any movie that I've covered in the entirety of Cinemavention that has like so many like layers on top of layers on top of layers on top of storyline I mean, development. None of it is none of it is hidden. Um yeah. But yeah, it definitely has so I've been very removed from that first from that first watch of figuring out what is going on here. Right. And I didn't realize until I was watching it in the watch party with you uh that how complex and like I understood how everything fit together very tightly, it's right? Very tightly written, um, but uh, yeah. Every time that we were talking in, during, uh, we're talking over something that is foreshadowing something else in the movie. It is, yeah, mm-hmm. a sit down and pay attention. Um, it very much is. And to be fair, yeah. we in the watch party, I think people eventually realize that and shut the hell up. But <laughs> but uh, but yeah, man, I mean, it, it's still like even despite that, like, I don't even think like that was the main issue because, yeah, like you said, like, it's just there's yeah, a that, lot going on in. It's, yeah, like it centers around um, the fog of war, which mm-hmm. is information is not available to everybody all the like all of the information available to all the people at all times. So it's, we see something and need to interpret of, is this what he's thinking? Is this what he's doing? Is mm-hmm. this, and different people have different opinions and may act on that in, in um, different ways and ignore different things. And the difference of that is status quo versus world war three happening. Right. Mm-hmm. And that's and that's what this movie is about, that they're trying that um, Sean Connery on the Russian side and uh, is trying to stop World War Three and uh, the um, Americans aren't sure if he's trying to stop World War Three or trying to start World War Three. Yeah. Yeah. And the Russians are saying, stop this man. He's trying to attack you. And 
You yeah. have Jack Ryan, the one CIA analyst who knows or at least believes he is trying to do that. Sean Connery's character is trying to do something good and we need to not kill him for it. Right. Yeah. Well, and, and, and I will uh, later on in this uh, thing here. Yeah. I, I, I'm going to give my basic uh, like very layman's terms uh, summary of what I mm-hmm. think the movie is. And you, and you tell me uh, if, uh, if it's a, uh, if it's a good description or not. Like if I'm okay. missing anything, um, but definitely this movie, man, like this movie will definitely go down as one of the toughest movies I've ever covered on this show, because like after that movie was over, I, I was just like my my head was hurting after watching that movie. You know, <laughs> there is a lot of well, why did this happen? That seems stupid. Right. And the answer is, well, on the fifth watch through, you'll notice that. 45 minutes earlier in the movie they did they showed you this in the background of it and so because that happened now this is this happening later in the movie makes sense right and like you said earlier like it's not even a it's not even a case of like oh you know it's like hey there's just some things that happen in a movie and they just have you know hidden meaning you know like um like in uh like like what i was talking about with brant on children of men uh recently Mm Where, like, you know, sometimes ambiguity in a story is, you know, it it may or may not help the story, right? That's not even the case here. It's literally just everything is laid out for you. It's just when you're watching it for the first time, there's so much to take in, right? Yeah. So, yeah. Well, I mean, you know, we're, I don't know, trained. But if you see something that's like, well, that had to happen because that keeps the plot moving. But why did it happen? There are so many movies where that's just a contrivance, contrivance, contrivance. Anyway, sure. the the that this had to happen because the um, because it was necessary for the plot of the movie to go on. Yeah, mm-hmm. like our hero has a gun to the back of his head, and the bad guy pulls the trigger to kill the hero and the gun jams well why did that happen well because if the hero gets shot in the head 15 minutes into the movie then we're not going to have we're not going to have a character for the rest of the Mm -hmm. movie and so sometimes it feels like well why did that happen it must be because it had to happen but nope but not in this case In in this movie they set it up Right. Yeah. It's just uh, trying this to figure the, it out. Yeah. Is the this problem. is the universe where that had to happen and it made sense. Right. Exactly. So if I may, uh, Jeff, you tell me if uh, like, like I'm going to give this um, very brief description of how I think uh, this movie went. And you tell me uh, like how far off base I am with this explanation. And go for yeah. It. And here we go. So. Here's what I think happened in very layman's terms. CIA agent gets the call to fly back to the U.S. from Britain for a classified mission involving a Soviet plan or exercise to attack the United States. Soviet general doesn't want to follow through with the plan to send missiles, convinces his crewmates to both literally and figuratively abandon ship and cross over to the American side. Another Russian submarine notices what's happening, tries to destroy it, but ends up blowing themselves into smithereens. All the good guys live. Happy ending. Other than the CIA agent was looking at the photos and and then made the call to his admiral. Okay. Said, yeah. Like, you're pretty well 
like on a very high level executive summary, you're pretty well there. Okay. You know, it's like you said it was the general when he was just like the most famous captain in the Navy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and sent uh, that uh, saw that Russia wasn't necessarily planning to, but was building up the technology that they could launch nuclear missiles, um, you know, without being detected at will. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and, and yeah. And like you said, with the, with the whole, like, you know, getting the classified, like the pictures of the, uh, yeah. of the blueprints and everything like, yeah, that, that that's kind of what I was encompassing when I said mission, but, uh, yeah. but yeah, it's fair enough then. So, okay. Like, here's what I will say that I'm, I'm glad that I'm able to at least um, understand at a fundamental level, what's going on here. Like I was able to decipher everything. Of course it took a reading of the IMDB summary for me to finally be able to put something like that together. But, <laughs> but Hey, I mean, at least I understand it, which is, which is honestly all I can really hope for when it comes to this movie is that I can even understand an ounce of it, you know? So, mm-hmm. so yeah, I, I'm, I'm happy. I'm happy that, that, worked out so um one other thing uh and it's funny we we were just talking about classified information and um uh, and i didn't realize this is going to be as relevant uh to modern times in this movie as it was but uh yeah. <laughs> does anyone notice that he's just carrying a folder marked classified out in public just like every u.s president and vice president seems to be doing these days okay so <laughs> there had to be different rules when everything had to be on paper but mm-hmm. yes, we had CIA analyst living and working in London takes like an American Airlines flight from London to Washington, D.C. Mm-hmm. with while well, holding uh, photos of a secret American attack or sorry, a secret uh, Soviet attack sub. Right. <laughs> I mean, hey, everyone's mishandling classified information these days, right? <laughs> I, I don't even know what a, you know, secured classified information facility is in these uh, in these days. It, yeah. <laughs> he just had them at home because, you know, he was working out of his home office. Yeah, right. Yeah. As you do. Right. <laughs> yeah. Now, here's the other thing that I thought was kind of funny. I. I'd like to think that this is kind of an alternate timeline of history um, story at this point, yeah. too, because uh, we see early on in the movie that um, Ramus, who is the, um, you know, the Soviet commanding officer, a.k.a. Um, Sean Connery's character, Ramius, right? But yeah. Oh, is it Ramius? Oh, OK. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But uh, but he uh, but he ends up killing his uh, political officer. Like uh, yeah. like almost like the number two in charge, basically, and his name is Putin. Yeah. Although sad to say, his name is Ivan Putin, not Vladimir Putin. So not as much of an alternate timeline of history uh, story as I thought maybe it was yeah. initially. <laughs> but um, but it's interesting that they um th- th- they have this safe that they have on board that has their mission basically on it. Yeah. And it's locked behind another safe. How it mm-hmm. gets into those safes in the first place, I'm not entirely certain. But nevertheless, um, they have two. It makes it so they have two different keys to open it, basically, mm-hmm. which I guess is supposed to be kind of like a safety measure to prevent just one person from willy nilly firing nukes. I mean, well, I mean, not the not these yeah. keys. 
there were two keys well sure for yeah firing mm-hmm. for firing nukes one held up by, by the political officer sure sure so mm-hmm. i think that was a matter of uh the the political officer's job was to represent the uh the people of the soviet union that like basically the government um to make sure that ramius didn't go off and that the military didn't go off and do something that wasn't in the best interest of the political class. Right. Mm-hmm. So like he was there as a check, as a check on, um, on Ramius. So when Ramius wanted to defect and steal the sub to give to the Americans, the first thing that he had to do was kill the, the, uh, the political officer. Right. So that he could have both keys. Yeah. Right. <laughs> which is not, the, so, uh, yeah, which is not supposed to be protocol. <laughs> and then we find out, later that there's a cook who is and they the political officer he asks the political officer if there are any kgb agents uh Mm -hmm. uh, and he said well i would be the last one to know because the kgb agent was there as a spy to spy on the political officer and ramius so the kg so they had somebody uh, on the ship yeah and that was the cook that was the defector right no that or was no. the cook that was shooting at them because they were they were trying to defect. Right. Yeah. Defect yeah. Defect yeah, means yeah. they were trying to go and become Americans. Right. Yeah. 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 And well, so and, yeah. He, he was the KGB agent that was there to shoot them for trying to. Uh, right. He yeah. Was, because so the, you had the KGB spying on the political officer and the uh, who was there to supervise the naval captain no you know nobody could be trusted in the soviet union like in the government of the Soviet. well yeah sure i mean yeah of course because it's the soviet union but 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 i want to talk about that because you brought it up right because because uh you could you could almost think of um uh right i'm I'm just gonna say it wrong every time but uh ramius uh you can you could see that like he he is like he's sort of the defector in this story right like he is yes. defecting from the soviets right and yeah. you know i and there's a situation with that cook where i can only describe it as sort of like i almost described it as defector inception almost where um where uh where ramius is going against the soviets and this one cook who witnesses you know he witnesses putin's body being taken away and and yeah. you th- at that moment you just think Oh, this is just like oh, he's just there as a witness, to, and that's just you know basic protocol reasons, right? Like, why was he there? Right? Yeah, yeah. He was there because he was the spy for the KGB to watch over and make sure that uh, the KGB maintained their power. In right. The, uh, and he doesn't like uh, what what he's trying, what his his plans, and what he's trying to do to sort of sabotage them and. Yep. basically defect from the soviet union pretty much right so yeah because like the first thing that he does is he sabotages the um uh the caterpillar drive the the um you know the it starts over the caterpillar drive is a way of moving pushing water without actually you know having to physically push it so it's sound so it's silent so they can move the sub without uh being hurt right mm-hmm. um so the first thing that he does is sabotage the um uh the caterpillar drive. Why does a cook know how to sabotage the uh the caterpillar drive? Because he's not a cook. He's the cook that 
because he's on the ship in the position of a cook, but he's the KGB spy. So he's been right. trained on how to how to do these things. Right. Yeah. But uh, but but if you think about it, right, this is an interesting way to think about this. He becomes the defector of the defector. If you think about yep. it. Right. <laughs> you know, so yeah, kind like of you could say if he was part of like if he was part of the crew, if you considered him part of the crew, then he was a mutineer. Right. Yeah. He was there to try to take the ship back from the captain who was who was clearly going uh, against who was, orders. Who was stealing the the ship? Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Well, and and but that leads to uh, like you mentioned earlier about that like shooting scene where like since he doesn't know the layout of the ship, like the moment you know he's like yeah. he's having that shootout with Doctor Ryan, like it like that shootout is happening quite literally right next to where those nuclear warheads are like literally yep. one wrong shot and everyone on that submarine is just gone poof vanished <laughs> which is what the kgb agent is trying to do yeah mm-hmm. he's trying to blow at that point he's trying to blow up a missile in the uh in the tubes right. to destroy the ship before the ship is handed over to the americans right exactly which is a suicide mission yeah, like, pretty much. Yeah, he's loyal to the to the Soviet Union. Yeah, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. So uh, he can shoot at whatever he wants because the worst thing that happens is he blows up a missile. He accidentally blows up a missile while trying to intentionally blow up a missile. Yeah, and and uh, it's like you know, and he's you know giving his life for the Kremlin, basically. Yeah. You know, like for the Kremlin cause or whatever. At that point, yeah. Mm-hmm. So Ramius tells Ryan, you know, realize where you are you know things in that room don't react well to bullets right don't mm-hmm. uh uh well, watch it, out what it, you're shooting at right and, and he and says, he immediately goes, watch what i'm shooting at. right exactly yeah that's exactly yeah, what i was about to you say because <laughs> you don't want to blow up the missile he does want to blow up the missile right. so he can shoot at whatever the hell he wants absolutely yeah 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 i mean and yeah and speaking of defectors like i i'd like to think like I I I want to just I almost want to describe this entire story as a bold strategy con. Let's see how it plays. <laughs> so let's see how it pays off. Story because mm-hmm. of the balls that um Ramus Ramus has to have to defy orders from the Soviet Union like that. Who you know this is the Soviet Union we're talking right? Like they don't take yep. defectors very lightly. There you know nobody <laughs> nobody does. True. Yeah. It's um uh. Uh, he's a military officer who's working against the country. Right. Um, mm-hmm. I'm losing the term. It's not insurrection. Uh, treason. Yeah, treason. It's treason. Yep. Mm-hmm. yep. Yeah. It, exactly. Yeah. Well, every but, country. I'm pretty yeah. sure every country in the world executes people for treason. Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, I guess. Well, because here in the U.S., I feel like it's more you get jailed for that more so oh, than no. that. But I, I mean, I I'm, guess depending on what the secret is, I guess. Yeah. Fair enough. But um but uh but do we actually know why um he decided to defect? Like cause I like oh, I, they, I don't know did. Yeah, I because I couldn't tell if, if it was explained in the movie, I couldn't tell why. Mm-hmm. Well, okay, so right at the end of the movie, uh Ramius says to Ryan, uh, you'd never asked me why I wanted to defect. Mm-hmm. And, he, and Ryan says, well, I just figured you'd tell me when you were ready to tell me. Um, and so Ramius says, I understood what the purpose of this, that a silent sub, the purpose is to be able to shoot nukes from uh, close enough 
to the United States that there was no time to react. Right. So if you're shooting them from the Soviet Union, it takes something like 45 minutes uh, for the missiles of those. uh, I'm speaking very vaguely. I do not know specifics. Sure, Um, sure. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, it goes at missiles go at Mach 5, but, you know, you're going from Russia over uh, Alaska and Canada to hit the continental United States. Right, right. It takes some time. The um, If they're shooting them from, uh, you know, New York Harbor, it takes no time. Right, yeah, it's almost instantaneous, right. So the only, so Ramius saw it as the only reason uh, to build this ship was to be in the position to be able to do a first strike of nuclear weapons on the U.S., that there was no other purpose, that even if the people that were building it now didn't weren't intending to do that, uh, the possession of that would mean for every future leader that was an option that was on the table. And if they knew that they had that in their pocket, it would be they would be more likely uh, to make the choice to do yeah, that. Yeah, to use it. Yeah. So you said the existence of this, of the Soviets having this uh, sub and the Americans not knowing that it existed was enough that World War Three was inevitable. Gotcha. Yeah. So basically, he's trying to stop World War Three. Essentially, he is trying is what's to happening. stop World War Three. He feels like if the Americans know about it, then they can put up defenses mm-hmm. against it. Or um, the sonar officer from the U.S. from the Dallas said, "Once I know what I'm listening for, I can find it." Right. But to and, the computer, yeah. it sounds like nothing. Right. Yeah. Well, and 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 specifically, he's wanting to do this because he, you know, because he assumes if he tells the U.S. this vital information, he's going to get granted asylum, which yeah. we never really find out if he does. But I assume he would probably get yeah. asylum at that point in the U.S. Like, so, yeah. like, uh, uh, military defectors that come over with like fighter jets. Right. Uh, mm-hmm. To be inspected, get asylum. This is, you know, so much bigger than uh, than that. I can't even oh, sure. think mm-hmm. of what a real equivalent of that. Uh, yeah, uh, of what that be. situation would be. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, but it, but it's funny about, you know, getting granted asylum in the U.S. because one of the most funny lines in this whole movie are basically and i forget who it was but there were some soviet uh soldiers or comrades as i like to (laughs) i mean they even call themselves comrades they call themselves comrades right yeah so but um but they're talking about if they get granted asylum in the u.s they want to live in montana or arizona and basically live a poly life while eating some cooked rabbit I mean, I'm sure Wabbit has some objections to that. But. Yeah, so that, that was the executive officer, the second in command. Right. And um, because Ramius was like the most famous captain in the uh, submarine captain in the fleet, he had spent like the last 40 years training everybody else. So he knew all of the commanders and officers and could pick which ones were going to be willing to defect with him so they right. could get out. Um they could get uh, to live in the United yeah, States because, as because, well. Yeah, because they so, were kind of hesitant at first to really go with this plan, right? Yeah. Yeah. So he was saying, well, I, you know, so I can live wherever I want in the United States. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I think so. And if I live in 
uh, Alabama or sorry, you said what? Yeah, um, it was uh, Montana and Arizona. If I live in Montana, I can live in in Montana uh, with a uh, and not worry about food and just be left alone. Yeah. And if I want to go to Arizona, uh, I can just do that without having to get permission and papers to like, yeah, you can go to any state that you want without having to ask permission. Like, right. Wow. Yeah. Which is that's, like, a, that's it, the life. Right. And uh, it, yeah, and it's pretty sad that, uh, that that's a revolutionary uh, concept to him. You know, like that's he's a military, <laughs> he's a military commander. Fair enough. Sure. But uh but still, and all I mean, he wanted was a shack in the like his dream in life was to not worry about food, to have a shack in the woods and be able to raise rabbits and just, you know, live his life without uh, being spied on or having to, uh, you know, he just wanted a quiet. I leave you alone. You leave me alone. And that was his dream in life. Yeah, for sure, man. Like well, He wanted an RV. That was his, yeah, pretty his much. nirvana. It's like, I'm going to get myself a recreational vehicle and I'm going to drive from Montana to Arizona because yeah. the winters are, are warmer in Arizona. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like, you know, I might need more than one wife to, to <laughs> be able to. Uh, yeah. I thought, <clears throat> I thought that was kind of weird, but yeah. Um, yeah. <clears throat> but uh, well, I think that was him not really quite understanding that there were some limitations in the United States. Oh yeah, sure. Or fewer mm-hmm. limitations than in Soviet Russia, but but still nonetheless. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um okay, so I want to talk about this uh the fact that um that this story we were you were talking about this in the watch party about uh the fact that this movie is so detailed. Like it's it's almost like a Doctor Strange love instance where um, where they basically were able to guess, you know, the submarine technology that they were using and everything. Mm-hmm. And they basically kind of accidentally revealed classified information. Like, well, uh, they didn't have classified information to reveal. Sure. But, you know, but they were able it was to the Cold War and the U.S. versus the Soviet Union. And and you had Tom Clancy that like as a scientific advisor and like they are a military advisor and he knew um, not specific classified information, but understood how all the pieces of military strategy fit together well enough that he, um, he stumbled on to, like he included something that uh, people uh, who did know secrets were not happy was, was revealed presented yeah. as potential public inf- uh public information. Right, yeah, because uh well cuz and I and this was a, a case of it being in the novel too, right? Like I think um cuz it was originally in the novel at first, right? Because of course this movie was adapted um by from a novel of the same name by Tom Clancy, right? And You should really read the novel cuz you know the book is always better. <laughs> eh, we'll see about that. But um <laughs> But uh, but yeah, but but because he had such a good like a vast knowledge of, you know, submarines and everything like mm-hmm. he um like he, he he was it was one of those situations where like, yeah, he didn't have that classified information, but he was kind of able to just guess and he, you know, basically got it right. I I wonder what happens in a case like this, because 
I'm sure the U.S. government had a chat with him at some point to figure mm-hmm. out if he, you know, had actually gotten, you know, classified information, like had gotten knowledge that he shouldn't have had or whatever, right? Yep. But it's not like he can get in trouble for just guessing how it works and just happen and just happening to be right, you know? Like so, it's I, a prosecution. Either they can they can figure out enough of how it happened to make the case, or uh, or they can't. Yeah, and I uh, yeah because uh, well and and I suppose if you're the U.S. government at that point, right? Like, there's not really anything you can do except say nothing at all, like no comment, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, or, or um, you could just go ahead and declassify it and go through that process if you really want to do that. Well, too, we're talking but, about, but yeah, sub nuclear submarines and yeah, war true. plan and war plans for. I don't think that uh, declassifying is going to. Be, uh, <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah. So I get yeah. So they're uh, it's almost like their hands are just tied at that point. They're just like they they, they yeah. It's basically just uh I can neither confirm nor deny slash no comment at that point. I would think right because yeah. like well, there's not I'm, really much they could do. <laughs> the U.S. military has plans for everything. Mm-hmm. This is like true. There, I've been uh, led to believe that there is an updated version for uh war plan uh for uh, invading Canada. Yeah. Uh, which. You know, I mean, obviously, you don't have any insider. In, yeah, you don't have yeah. any insider information, of course. But you know, <laughs> and uh, how to respond to a zombie uh, apocalypse? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> because, and the reason for the zombie apocalypse is because they need to train people on how to write these uh, these war plans, and uh, they needed something that was a um, that was like a war. But right. If somebody found out that there was a war plan for invading, uh, uh, for invading a place, and it wasn't really a plan, it was just a training exercise. Mm-hmm. That would be embarrassing. So, yeah, mm-hmm. for sure. Uh, so, so, so defending against a zombie invasion. Yeah. Right. Makes sense. Um, Who's going to get upset about that? Yeah. Right. Um, but but speaking to that though, it's like it, to my knowledge, like. Pretty much, like I mean, I don't know too much about submarines and tech and their technology and whatever, but from what I can gather, they basically get everything right about how they work, like everything down to the ability to hear what other submarines are saying because of the way sound travels in water to the yeah. Morse code in there when the Americans are talking to the to the Red October Soviet ship to the mm-hmm. way that they're calculating the directions of you know where a submarine or their own goes because you know well gps doesn't really work down there right like yeah like it's all there right although that that printer is very is kind of old though (laughs) oh so yeah too old i think yeah because Mm -hmm. you will put old like nasa uses very old technology relatively speaking to put things into space because it's been hammered on and Right, they uh, and know tested it for years, yeah. and so they know that it's going to work, and that it's going to work when they get there. Right after they've spent millions and millions of dollars shooting it into space, um, so they know that it's going to work. But that was a very loud printer uh, for a submarine at a where being silent so you're not found. Yeah, I was going to say a, yeah, uh, so that they can be stealth. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's, uh, that's. I would like, think that if that printer pr- was printing something out at the wrong time, the the uh, it, uh, American sub would be discovered. Yeah, right. Yeah, it's it's almost a counterintuitive, you could say, right? Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. But uh, 
for this being a story of missiles being fired at each other, uh, it seems like a lot of them were just, you know, test missiles or, you know, or the ships were able to get out of the way of said missiles. Like, you know, a lot they of weren't ga- tests. There were ones that were that they were were said were tests and there were ones that didn't arm properly because of the safeties. Right. And, or they were able to just get out of the way fast enough that it didn't hit them. Right. Like yeah. lot, lots of or games. Countermeasures of, were used. And, yeah. Yeah. Lots of games of chicken are being played between these uh, yep. two submarines at this point. Right. And um, I did, I did find it cool that, uh, that one of the missiles did like a little jump out of the water and you could see like how massive that, that thing was. Mm-hmm. Right. That was, that was pretty cool. Um, I, I don't expect it to be real at all, but still, I mean, it was, it was a, it was cool though. <laughs> I definitely buy that being hit by one torpedo sinks a submarine. Yeah, that would, uh, that it's all yeah. about mm-hmm. strategy of not being found. And as soon as you're shot at, you're dead. Yeah, it's done. pretty much. Yeah. I mean, yeah, we, we, we saw that with the, uh, with the other Russian ship, right? So, yeah. Yeah. So, Dr. Ryan, is he a super genius CIA agent? Like, how is he able to predict everything that's going to happen? Like, the only thing he got wrong this entire movie was his initial guess that the Russians were just doing an exercise instead of it being a real deal attack. Like, like is he, does he, how does he just okay. know this? You know? No, he's not a super genius with special. He is just a nerd. <laughs> this move he is a nerd he sits in his office he writes reports on uh like they get he gets sent spy photos and he writes reports on how to uh interpret this he writes biographies of uh military strategists he's just a nerd that over and over again they said like the commanders above him said well you know what's going on uh, better than uh, than anybody who's at the front lines. So we're going to send you to the front lines. Right. And yeah. so a guy whose job and training was, I sit at my desk and interpret things, ended up shooting at a KGB agent. Uh, yeah. Around, uh, with, it was just a matter. This is why he kept saying, I should have written a memo yeah. rather than flying out. Yeah, uh, definitely. From uh, London to the thing. Yeah. Because that decision meant he got sent from London to the, to, uh, um, to Washington and then from Washington to, uh, the aircraft carrier and then from the aircraft carrier, uh, to the, um, uh, to the submarine, uh, yeah. to the uh, submarine, and then from the American submarine to the, uh, to, the Soviet, uh, to the Russian yeah. submarine. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, sorry, the Soviet submarine. Right. Yeah. Well, and um, well, yeah, because that's what I was gonna say. Yeah, it leads to one of those like crazy scenes where you know, because yeah, because he's trying to board the submarine in an instance of like the helicopter is like quite literally running on fumes. He's like, um, yeah. how long? He's like, how long can you hold it for? Oh, ten minutes, but it's going to be on fumes. Keep going for 10 minutes then. <laughs> so the only reason why the pilot listened to him was because Admiral Greer, James Earl Jones, decided to put him in a military commander's uniform mm, to mm-hmm. say, because if like he's assuming that there are Russian spies spying on what's happening to interpret what the U.S. is doing as well right. as the U.S. spying on the Russians. Right. So, so if, if a CIA yeah. analyst goes out 
to uh, an aircraft carrier, something is R- going right. On. And so but if a military clothes, officer right. goes to a military carrier, so he put him in disguise. Mm-hmm. And he- then because he put him in disguise with a rank to be able to order people around, the pilot didn't know that it was a disguise. So he's like, he just okay, came off his yeah. air carrier in the. Uh, yeah, because uh, he's like, yeah, in the more- uniform of an officer. Right. And an officer told him, you're going to break the rules. Yes, there are regulations. You are going to break them if. Um, right. Yeah. But yeah. But he doesn't know that. Yeah. But um. But yeah. also like um. Yeah. So. But also, it's like you know, it's like you don't. You. Like he. He's above. He's above you in authority. So it's like okay, yep. sure, all right, let's go. <laughs> you know. It's not an. It's against the rules, but it's not like like. It's not an illegal order. So. You oh know, yeah. Being <laughs> in the being a military like a naval pilot and. Uh, disobeying the orders of a uh, uh, of a uh, of a ranking officer, you is something yeah, that you want that's to do even worse. Yeah, <laughs> you want to be very careful. I mean, like uh, BK will tell you if it's an illegal uh, um, order, you don't follow it. You don't right, just follow right. orders for the sake of following orders. But short of that, if you're going to ignore an order because it breaks protocol. You know, then you you're asking be, for trouble. Basically, is what you're doing. You know, be yeah. very careful in making that decision. Exactly. Yeah. 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 But uh, but it leads to that crazy moment because he's trying to get to the submarine, and then at yeah. a certain point, he just says "fuck it" and just yep, you know, "fuck it." This isn't the weather's too bad. This yeah, isn't and just work. drops I into have the eight water. Minutes of, no, no. He the pilot signals come back up to the. We're bringing you back up. Okay. Says, I'm gonna signal that you're coming back up. You give me a thumbs up and then we bring you back up if this doesn't work. And what Ryan does is we're bringing, we're bringing you back up. No, no. And then he releases the thing and dumps into the water. Right. No way. Having been told moments before, if you spend more than four minutes in this water, you will freeze to death. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, and yeah, cause they're like, yeah, get, like get him on the ship. So that's a, that was a, that was a brave move from a, yeah. from a seemingly from a nerd seemingly, you that know, was, Yes, that was a nerd stepping up to it doesn't really like I don't want to die. I'm afraid I'm afraid of all of this. But if I don't follow through on this, then World War Three is going to happen and yep. millions of people are going to die. So, yep, let's exactly. Go. Yep. And uh, yeah, well, well and, and you mentioned it earlier, the uh, the plane uh, um, that that they're on, like it, it seemingly crashes into the runway at that point. I I still don't understand that. Like, what what's going on with that? Sorry, the plane that crashed into the runway on the uh, aircraft carrier. Yeah, yeah. What was up with that? I still don't quite that was, get that. So the Russians had sent all of their their entire fleet out to get Ramius and the Red October. The okay. Russians were looking to sink him before he could get the, uh, oh, the submarine to the Americans. Was? Okay. No, no, no. And so there was, so um, there were Russian planes that were over it, over the Atlantic. Mm-hmm. And so the Americans sent out fighter jets to investigate. Russian plane tried to force the Americans out of the way. Mm-hmm. And they said that they bumped. So the plane was damaged. And that was just. That was a an American plane was damaged by a um, by a Russian plane accidentally, but damaged. But still, yeah. Yes, and then 
it fa- it crashed into the um, into the deck when trying to land, so that uh, American uh, pilot died as a result of the uh, oh, Russian damn. plane bumping yeah. into him. So that was a matter of uh, World War Three. If um, the wrong reaction, so a, an American pilot has now died because of the actions of a Soviet pilot. Right? Are we at war now? Right, right, right. If we could be, we could be at war, uh, which is actually what happens with the um, is what's happening with the Chinese balloon right now. The Americans are saying it's military. The um, uh, the Chinese are saying it was civilian, and mm-hmm. the Americans just used military force to shoot down a civilian aircraft. Right, which which of course you and know, so, and there's a debate going back and forth between them. It's like, no, he's lying. No, he's lying. Yeah. You know, like so. And so, yeah. it's like, well, there's there are ways on both sides of here to interpret the actions of the other country in such a way that we're at war now. Yeah. Do you want to interpret them that way? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So uh, yeah. And so that's that was what that plane crash was about. Ryan was not on that. Was not on that plane. He was watching the plane crash. From Got the it. deck of the uh, aircraft carrier, but ah, the point okay, was okay. the pilot has now uh, an American pilot has now died. Are we at war now? Got it. Okay, gotcha. That makes that makes sense. Yeah. A lot of this is about the chess of well, we do this, so he does this, so we do this, so they do this, right. so we do yeah, this, so yeah. they do this, and then we're at war. Okay, what do we do to get the out to get to the outcome that we want? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, going back to uh, Dr. Ryan for just a second, because I want to talk mm-hmm. about this uh, briefing that he has with uh, with all the chiefs and everything, and specifically yeah. the president's national security advisor. Yeah. And he is advised by the by the admiral to speak his mind, yeah. to which he did much to the surprise of of him when he when he said he was leaving. Right. Like. Because he he was like I said, speak your mind, but Jesus, basically implying okay, so, like, yeah, like yeah, you spoke a little too much of your mind there a little bit, yeah. Well, okay, so there was the um, uh, one of the Joint Chiefs. So those right. are four star generals or right, admirals, right. whatever. Mm-hmm. For I don't know which one. So that was a four star general, like the uh, chief of staff of the army, who said, you know. He's probably uh, going to attack the United States. And um, as the expert on Ramius, like having written the book on Ramius, he, uh, Ryan pulled rank. And you do not pull rank on a, uh, on a fourth star general. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it was a matter of, so it was a matter of this guy who is, who is, the most powerful person in the room in every room, except for the one that he's in right now, mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. the national security advisor is above him um, is uh, you just, you know, metaphorically kicked him in the nuts. Yeah. And the right? only reason why he's not, you know, going to, you know, make sure that you have uh, that he's not going to take retribution is because the national security advisor thought it was funny. Yeah. It's re yeah. And he's also right there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But also so I, like his boss yeah. saw, saw that and, and, and just approved. laughed. So, yeah. 
Well, and they also have a one-on-one later. Like the national security advisor and Dr. Ryan like have yeah. a one-on-one after everyone leaves the conference room. And I love yeah. how he just flat out admits to him in that moment. Like he's a politician, so he's a cheat and a liar. Yep. <laughs> and also the fact well, that he thinks Dr. Ryan is expendable. Like yes. ouch. <laughs> it was if I hand this, you have to go. Because if I hand this off to the military commanders, they have too much to lose uh, by uh, reputationally to take a risk on this. Mm-hmm. It's a it's a big risk, big reward, big uh, uh, big penalty if it um, if it doesn't work out. They can't risk it, therefore they'll never go for it. They will find ways to have. If I tell them to go uh to go out and do this they will find ways to make it not work right mm-hmm. so you have to go yeah exactly and that was one of those you have to go otherwise this isn't going to work uh moments right right yeah which leads and, them to that moment right yeah yeah um um well yeah but but while we're while we're on the subject of the national security advisor he has multiple conversations with a russian ambassador and I yes. and I have to imagine every conversation with the Russian ambassador is just a guessing game of whether he's bullshitting or not. <laughs> and yep. this movie captures that pretty well because, yep. you know, of course, you know, because he's saying at first, you know, like confirming like, yeah, no, this is just an exercise, which is not true. But even when he eventually fesses up and says there's a rogue member of their crew on board, he does it at the last possible minute. And like and, and at the end, he's like. You know, you could this all could have been avoided if you just told me like 20 minutes yep. prior, right? <laughs> and the excuse he gives is because well, the Moscow w- w- won't always tell me these things. Yeah. <laughs> you know. It's not my fault. I'm being totally upfront with you. It's my government is lying to me. Yeah, yeah. You can trust, you know, yeah, me very convenient excuse, I am a, buddy. Yeah. I am a friend. I am on your side. We are, you know, we are friends and I'm on your side and I would never lie to you. But they lie to me, and my job is to be here and tell you what they said to me. And yeah, yeah. you know, sorry, but you know, yeah, very convenient um, excuse there, though. And I, I don't mean, know what he knows. It's never made clear, like no, on the Russian not, government yeah. side, what the ambassador knows. But we know what the national security advisor knows, and he knows that he sent Ryan out because Ramius is planning to defect. Because mm-hmm. he thinks that Ramius and he's just, you know, uh, playing dumb in all of those uh, meetings. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. My favorite being the last one at the end of the movie. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah. That's that was great. Um, Where, yeah. you know, the alpha that was had blown itself up by getting hit by its own um, uh, by its own torpedo uh, at the climax of the movie. It's just so we're both of us know that the Red October was not blown up, but we're going to pretend that it's blown up and we'll find the pieces at the bottom of the and, you know, we'll do a rescue and find the pieces at the bottom of the um, uh, at the bottom of the ocean. And this will take six months to a year. And so this is six months to a year that the Americans get to pull it apart piece by piece and just give the Russians the pieces back at the end. (laughs) So they get to tear everything apart and that's how they get to study it. Um, And then it's just, you know, um, we have another ship that we can't find. So that one was blown up. We're, and we have another one that we can't find. 
Yeah, yeah. Excuse um, me, you lost another sub? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, and and uh, speaking on the uh, authority aspect of everything, too, right? Um, and you, we were talking about that earlier, and, and there's this funny scene, and I forget exactly what's going on here, but I know that, I don't know if it was like they were stopping a missile from starting or stopping a missile from being shot at or something, but... There's this guy at the 300 yard mark or, or, or well, the guy who's saying like it's at the 300 yard mark, I should say. Yeah. And, and Admiral and the Admiral just walks over oh. and just pushes the button. Right. Okay. And, yeah. and, and after he does that, he like basically shows his like, you know, little book or yeah. whatever, showing him I've got, a, I've got authority to do this. Like, and also you never saw me perform this action basically. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so what he's saying is the U.S. fired a torpedo ostensibly at Red October, mm-hmm. but the Admiral knows that Red October is going to – like they are fake blowing it up to right. um, uh, to be able to be able to take it without having to tell the uh, uh, Soviets that they have it. And so they shoot it. If they had intended to blow up – uh, the Red October, they would have blown up the Red October in that position. Right. So it gets right off the edge, and then the Admiral uh, hits the self-destruct button for the. Um, so they yeah, need to get the it nu- close for the nuclear warhead. The, right. Yeah. No, this is just a torpedo, or just the that, the, the torpedo. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This is just a torpedo that was shot at the at the sub. Right. Right. That would have destroyed the sub. Right. So they're fake destroying the sub. So the point is. He says it did not self-destruct. I was not here. You know, this is who I am. The, which, like, which is yeah. why I thought he was CIA, um, not a naval uh, admiral. I was confused about that for a long time, just because sure. you see this. He shows a badge and says, "I was never here. This did never. This never happened." And somehow I have the the rank to give you orders. That. Just right yeah seemed like a spy thing um yeah interesting yeah um, so uh so, yeah uh, so, so that was the point that they blew that they yeah. fake that that was him fake blowing up the red october gotcha um, yeah 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 and then they get to go back to the to the soviets and say we we blew it up yeah you mm-hmm. told us that he was attacking us we took care of it you're yeah. welcome mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah absolutely man so, uh, real quick, before we get to our final ratings, uh, let's go over two kind of fun facts that I found. Um, yeah. And you had you had told us about this, and I thought this was kind of an interesting fact about uh, the patches that are on their uniforms. Uh, yeah. t- tell me about this. So, it w- so it was the the when they're um, uh, going down to have the meeting with the national security advisor and the joint chiefs, right? In the um, uh, situate in the White House Situation Room. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, they're given uh, visitor badges on uh, on their way when Greer is signing them in on the way in, and then you see at the table, and the badge is marked "All Access Q Level." Mm-hmm. And this was um, and where the name QAnon uh, comes from is, I believe that it was supposed to be Department of Energy. Um, but it was the high-level, top-secret, compartmentalized information access 
uh, Q clearance that, yeah, uh, and... that named QAnon. And so this is from 19, this is just Q coming up in 1990 and is a great example of the um, uh, uh, accuracy, like the reality that right. uh, they had built in, in, uh, in this movie that they have top secret information and they're going into the high, uh, high security uh, room and their badge says, uh, says Q. Right. And when you said says like that, classified the, yeah, Q. right. And when, when, but when you said that that had a relationship, relation with Q, with the name QAnon, I was like, ooh, ooh, yeah. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> well, I, and so I was thinking like, wow, you notice something new every time that you watch this movie because how many yeah. times have I seen uh, seen this movie and I never noticed it on their badge? But uh-huh. on the other hand, how many years, uh, when was the last time that I watched this movie and when was QAnon, when did QAnon become a thing? Right. The last time yeah. I saw this movie, that was just you know, they had badges that said they were allowed to be in a high security area. Yeah, it's like big deal. And yeah. It, mm-hmm. Yeah. It's yeah. They're in a high security area. That makes sense. Right. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and then the other uh, the other one that I had was uh, you had mentioned that one of the characters in this movie, specifically Admiral Painter, a.k.a. Yeah. Fred Thompson, went on to become an actual senator in the like in the United States Senate. Um, yeah, after he, he had like, uh, like, I mean, it was, he had a couple more roles, I think after this one, but, but he went on to become an actual Senator and then, uh, and then did like several seasons of law and order. Yeah. Um, he te- was technically you're uh, saying in the middle of, uh, uh, towards the end of his Senate term too. So he did, um, uh, so he was the Senator, uh, from Alabama, if I remember correctly. And, uh, uh, did uh, one term, I think it was uh, ending uh, in 2001. And after he had been had lost his reelection bid, but before the session had ended, he mm. picked up the role as the district attorney uh, in uh, law in the original Law and Order. Gotcha. Uh, so he was playing a district attorney on Law and Order while still holding the position of um, of senator. You know, it wasn't like he was ignoring his duties. The Senate was out of session and wasn't going to come back into session until they had a new Senate. Right. Yeah. So he was basically done at that point. Yeah. He was. Yeah. He was basically done. It was just, you know, his. It was formality. It was like he had given point. his yeah. two weeks notice and had two weeks of vacation pay, uh, of vacation time uh, to take for his two weeks notice. It started his new job before technically the period of uh, of his last one ended right but exactly just so we had an admiral uh actually be an admiral in the movie be the senator in this and then become the new york uh assistant or sorry not assistant uh district attorney the actual district attorney yeah that's funny man all right so our final ratings of this movie jeff thumbs up thumbs down what is it going to be? Of course, it's a thumbs up. Do we even talk about movies that are thumbs down on this podcast? <laughs> well, <laughs> well, it's funny you mentioned oh, really? that because <laughs> I, I will give a caveat about this rating. Okay, as a yeah. first time watch, as a first time That's watch, fair. I'm going to give it a thumbs down for a first time watch. Okay. I feel special because this is the first. <laughs> I'm pretty sure this is the first thumbs down on this podcast. Oh no, no, no! I've had a couple no? more thumbs down. Said I've oh. had like 
four or five of them, I think. But but yes, but I but but I'm gonna give it. I a, need to listen. Yeah, to but catch I'm giving, up on the rest of the episodes. Sure, yeah. sure. But I'm gonna give it a thumbs down for now, with the caveat that maybe if I watch it a second or third time, and if I know what's going on, and I'm not spending the whole movie trying to like piece everything together, <laughs> then yeah. maybe my rating will change in the future. But for it's not now, a good first watch. It's yeah, a good fifth watch. Yeah, but for now, thumbs down because it's yeah, it's way too hard to follow the story, and that's that's what killed it for me. And and like I said, yeah, I'm not trying to say the story is bad because it's not. Yeah, right. But give me give me something to work with here, right? Like give me something, right? Like and no, they they you want less. They gave you so much that it was hard. Well, yeah, that's I guess that's true. Yeah. And and yeah, and like I said, yeah, the, it's not even an instance of ambiguity. It's just straight up. I could not follow the movie. So so yeah, that that's that's why it gets a thumbs down from me specifically. I don't like it, but that's fair. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so uh, before well, we, it's yeah, it's been nice being friends. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, before we before we get out of here, I uh, we yeah. do, we do have an email. Here. We did get uh, some feedback. I had mentioned uh, in the last episode uh, to send in feedback about um, the uh, prop used in the uh, Indiana Jones movie. Mm-hmm. And uh, Wermel actually wrote in and said and gave us a quote from um, the Indiana Jones uh, Wikia, which which is pretty cool. Um, mm-hmm. So we uh, it turns out that there are, in fact, two different versions of the prop. At, well, obviously, we knew that. Right. But they were, uh, but they were both created by the art department, and the first design uh, is actually used mostly throughout the film. Um, so that the design that you that we first see in the movie is is used for the majority of the movie. Um, and um, but the uh, the redesign, um, or, or, or well, the first design I should say, didn't give the effect that Steven Spielberg wanted for close-up shots. Mm-hmm. And so that basically they were tasked to craft another version of the headpiece that could uh, withstand scrutiny when the film was projected onto a cinema screen. So the more and it's the more detailed version is used when they're trying to decipher the uh, the text that's yeah. on the they're uh, trying medallion. to decipher all of this yeah. uh, information off of it. And then. So the original one, it's like there's no way that they're getting all of that. From yeah. So basically, uh, so basic, so basically, the art. De- what I'm getting at is the art department messed up and didn't make it de- more detailed enough. <laughs> is, or, 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 uh, the uh, uh, the requirements for a project changed after the work was done. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. But, <laughs> somebody, uh, somebody done effed up. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. But. Now, but now you know, right? Yeah. So, so I was right. It was just you know for production reasons that there were two designs. So, so there you go. It's interesting. It's interesting though. I'm guessing with um, upscaling and being, I don't know if it was upscaling, but people didn't complain about that when you were watching it on VHS. True. Yeah. No. That. Well, and that's what I said during the episode is that. Um, that's what I was saying is that like the fidelity might've been just bad because yeah, no one was accounting for the fact that this would be upscaled after the fact. So yeah. A lot of things changed when, you know, when, you know, you could watch it in high quality on film in the theater, but there's no pausing and you could only watch it once. And did I see that? Was that really what a, well, it's going to cost you six bucks if you want to go back and chat and 
you know, yeah. two hours if you want to go back and check. Eh, screw it. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. Um, and then now uh, watching it in uh, in uh, HD at home. Yeah, um, the digital age. Yeah. <laughs> I also like to remind you that um, you couldn't read anything when you paused a VHS tape. Yeah. Because it only showed you half of the lines on the screen at once. Mm-hmm. So whenever you paused, uh, you couldn't, you only saw um, like the, the two sets of lines that you'd see on the screen when you paused it didn't necessarily match up. Right. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't until DVDs that you had a full picture uh, on and things became clearer. And then, you know, HD, it's like, what the hell was that? Right. You know, how, how did the makeup not look like makeup in, um, yeah, you know, for sure. Well, and, and, and we've, and, and we've had totally this, different. Yeah. And, and we've had this happen too, where like, uh, we've, we found that some of the, um, the ADR in star Wars and the first star mm-hmm. Wars movie is absolutely te- like, but it's not even that it's terrible. It's that you could tell when it's ADR. Right. Yep. And it, and again, it was probably another instance of, you know, just fidelity wasn't that great. So that's why it, uh, you know, so that's why it was that Star way. Wars yeah. was nineteen seventy seven. You know. Yeah. Exactly. What do you, yeah. What do you want? <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. It's like well, when uh, was ADR yeah. invented? <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Well, uh, Jeff, thank you so much uh, for joining me uh, talking about this movie, uh, despite my uh, despite my rating. So I appreciate it, man. But uh, yeah. I did enjoy our conversation, though. This was a good conversation, man. Uh, I tell- enjoyed it too, and I enjoyed getting to watch. Uh, to you know, uh, move up my ticker on number of times I've watched this movie uh, with friends one more time. Absolutely, man. Uh, where can the good people find you online? Uh, right here and in Game Night. And I don't, you know, I don't have an online uh, persona. I'm just here to hang out. I don't need it for work, and you can't make me. <laughs> so uh, you know, I'm routing wonk in the chat on uh, uh, in uh, Diamond Club Game Night twitch.tv slash wscottish1 alright fair enough <laughs> but uh, yeah I mean yeah he's, you know come hang out shoot yeah, the shit absolutely man but uh, yeah I do a watch party for each of the movies that we review on this show uh, if you want to watch the movie with myself and fellow listeners you can join the conversation like uh, Jeff in our discord over at discord.cinemavention.com great place to leave feedback for the show as well but if you can't make it to the watch party, don't worry. We have it available exclusively to everyone who supports the show over at patreon.com slash is one and you get it in your very own RSS feed. Thank you so much to everybody who supports this show and keeps it going. Don't forget that I'm live twice a week on with the game with playing games on the with the community. Jeez, that's a tongue twister apparently for me. Uh, that's over at uh, twitch.tv slash is one uh, if you have thoughts about the movie we discussed today, you can send it into the email address, uh, just like Wearmole did. That email address, again, is email at cinemavention.com. And visit the website to see all the previous movies we've covered on this show over at cinemavention.com. And uh, you can also uh, click the subscribe link while you're there and find your podcatcher of choice and subscribe to the Cinemavention podcast. And if you really love the show, leave a five-star rating in your podcatcher as well. Uh, thank you for to Kevin McLeod for the intro and outro music. You can find his work over at Incompetech.com. We'll be back next week to discuss the movie The Matrix. Speaking of another uh, 
crazy uh, movie uh, with a lot of details. Uh, we'll be joined by Sign. Uh, um, they're going to talk about it uh, with us, and uh, that's going to be a fun and exciting uh, discussion, uh, and I can't wait to have it. And I hope you will be there for that conversation and that episode. Until then, we'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Diamond Club hopes you have enjoyed this program. <laughs>